0: Amen. Hey, can we give a a thank you to Will and the worship team for leading us in worship tonight? will said uh, me and him are friends so I don't know if you could tell by the sound in his voice but uh, will is a northerner he's from North Alabama that is and uh, that's where I grew up we grew up at the uh, at the same church and so man we were in we were in uh, youth choir together did anybody do youth choir if, if you grew up in church maybe it was here maybe it was a different church yeah we grew up in youth choir and so doing that we uh, and then we were in the the praise band together in uh, in high school and got to lead worship I played drums and we Will would sing and uh, just it's cool to see how God is using Will. He's a dad now as of this year, a little girl who's seven months old. And uh, and so it's really cool when when I get to look back and see, wow, me and Will, we were in the same the same student ministry. And now he's leading worship at at a church called Lindsay Lane. Uh, in Athens, Alabama, more specifically at their North Campus. And um, man, it's awesome to see what God's been doing, and you will. And it's an honor. I tell you what, some of you you have some dear friends, and, and this really goes along with what we're talking about tonight and what we talked about last week. But man, when you can find some friends to do ministry with, that's very special. Um, it, it's it's very special. And so uh, I'm so glad that you're here. So last week we were in First Thessalonians chapter 2. You can go ahead and turn there. We're going to be back there again. So this is really the second part of a message that we began last week. And uh, we're in a series called... Uh, welcome to the family. And so, if this is your first time, we do say welcome, welcome to our, our faith family. We we hope that you feel welcome. This is a place where you can explore and grow, uh, where you can hopefully understand what the Bible is saying and what God would would have of you. But it's also a place where we want to provide community for you. We want to be people that are in your life. And in uh, and in First Thessalonians chapter two, uh, we we see. Um, that, that, that Paul is explaining who he was as a minister. So Paul, he, uh, he went to a place called Thessalonica, and he boldly proclaimed the word of God, and, and persecution arose, and he had to get out pretty quickly. And, uh, and, and we see that some people thought that, that he was a fake. They thought that he was a phony. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is explaining to them, hey, here is who I was. And so so we're seeing tonight and we saw last week some principles for ministry. But this is this is the family calling that we said last week that is on all of our life. And for us as a ministry, as a faith family, here's here's our calling. Every member, a minister. If if you're if you're a part of the faith family, we're saying, hey, you are called to to ministry. You're called to be a minister. You may never get up here and sing or teach or preach, but you are called to minister. If you're a teacher, if you're a nurse, if you're a full time student, you're called to be a minister wherever it is that God has you. So so our calling every member a minister, that's, that's what we believe. And so just a brief recap of last week, we looked at three principles from First Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 6, and very quickly we learned that ministry is not in vain. If we're honest, a lot of us this past week, we gave our life to some vain things, some things that were pointless, some things that were meaningless. Maybe, maybe we wasted a lot of time, maybe you wasted a lot of money, I don't know what it is, But one thing is for certain that when we give our life to the mission that God has laid out for us, when we join him in a relationship and we begin to walk with him and serve him and bring glory to him, it is never in vain. So if you want to make your life count, say yes to Jesus and yes to the mission. Principle number one, ministry is never in vain. Principle number two, ministry requires boldness. But not just boldness in yourself, boldness in God. It requires you to lean into him. It requires that you, in your weak state, I don't know what your week week has been like, but for me, man, it's been a hard week. But weakness, we said last week, is not a bad place to be because in our weakness, we get to experience God's perfect strength. And so we need to be bold in God as we serve in ministry. Principle number three Ministry is about God's glory and not man's ministry is not about you getting the spotlight. It's really about you getting behind the spotlight and shining it on Jesus. That's what ministry is about. And so tonight we're going to focus on verses 7 through 12 in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. But I want us to back up. We're going to start reading in verse 1. We'll read our text, and then we'll begin to unpack it. So starting in verse 1, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul writes, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much Conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak. Not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Verse 7. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. Verse 10. Your witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Would you pray with me? Father, as we unpack this, we ask that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide us, that you would open up our hearts, our minds to receive your word, and as we seek to apply it to our life, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of it. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I, I will say, if you're new, or if you're not new, one of the things that we like to do is is we just want to look at what God's word says, and and, and we want to. Make that very clear, and we want to apply it to our life. So just so that you know, I have no agenda other than doing my best to communicate to you what God's word says. And so when we come to this passage, as I've already said, three principles that I've mentioned a minute ago, we're going to see a few more principles that we learn. Now, Paul, we know that he's a church planner. He's a missionary. He's, he, he's in many ways, he's a pastor. He, he's a church leader. And, and so we can learn a lot from him, even though you may never be a, a preacher, a pastor. Again, if you're a Christian, you're called to be a minister. And so there are many things that we can learn from this text. So principle number four, we're going to jump right in. Ministry is characterized by gentleness. Ministry is characterized by gentleness. At the end of verse 6, Paul says that they could have made demands. Now, I want you to get this scene. Paul, he has been sent out by God. He is an apostle. He he has authority that God has given him. And so he's gone into an area. He's preaching the gospel. These these people in Thessalonica, many of them have come to know Christ. but, But he says that he could have made demands. He had the authority to be demanding, to be authoritative, but he chose not to do that. Before I was on staff here at the church, I had the opportunity of working for a ministry. We would do youth camps in the summer and conferences uh, throughout the year. And, and, and honestly, we got to be around some, some pretty big-time speakers, some preachers, some, some big-time bands. And it was always interesting uh, to see these, these preachers and these bands up and close because some of them, they were, they were fantastic. Some of the greatest musicians, some of the greatest preachers. But offstage, nobody really wanted to be around them. Because they were very demanding. Uh, many of them would send in a writer uh, Something that we would look at and, and, and basically have to make sure everything was ready for them before they got there. And some of these, these writers were very lengthy. Hey, make sure this is in the green room. Make sure there's X number of water bottles and there's only blue m and no green ones. And, and, and all, all, no, please no lasagna in the green room. Only foods. Other. I mean, it, it's just some of them were very demanding. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, for, for me, it rubbed me the wrong way. And Paul is saying, listen, I, I, I wasn't demanding. I could have been, but I, but I didn't. There was, one, uh, there was one preacher. He wasn't at, a, at an event that I was ever seeing. But he, he said, hey, can we, can we reschedule the service, the morning service? Can we reschedule that? And I don't know if he told them, but we found out he wanted to reschedule it so that he could, uh, so he could go play golf. A little demanding. You may say, wow, that's that's so crazy. But, but again, it's a world that we live in. Paul was saying, I, I, I'm not demanding. I, I wasn't authoritative from the standpoint of telling you, hey, do this for me. Do this for me. Verse seven, he says, but he could have made demands, but we were gentle among you. And then he gives us an illustration just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, ministry is characterized by gentleness. As we as God's people go out and minister to the needs of people, gentleness should characterize who we are and what we're doing. And in case we don't understand the kind of gentleness that Paul is talking about, he gives us this example. And it's a little awkward for me to use, but it's in the Bible. And it's that of a nursing mother. Now, some of you guys, that is completely foreign to you because it was me at one point. Uh, some of you, 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 again, it's completely foreign to you. But I'll, I'll just say this: that uh, parenting can be challenging. It can be hard. Babies, if you've been around babies before, they cry, they, 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 they poop. They can't do anything for themselves. They just kind of lay there. And then as they get older, yes, they can crawl and do that. But a, a baby that nurses, it, nurse, it can't do anything for itself. And that can be frustrating when you're, when you're changing diapers all the time and you're, and you're trying to uh, ease the cries and calm them down and get them to sleep. And why, why is he crying? Why is she crying? It can be a little complicated. But there is a gentleness that comes when a, when a mother is nursing. And it's not just moments like that. But if you could have that image, because that's the biblical image that we have, there is a sense of gentleness that comes. Now, Paul was one tough dude. I mean, he's stoned, he's been in prison, uh, he, he, he has been persecuted time and time again for preaching the gospel, but he said, I was gentle with you. Gentleness is not weakness. And, and Paul says, I, I, I was gentle with you, and here's what we need to understand. He's giving us this illustration of an actual child and a mother, but the reality is is that the Thessalonians that came to know Christ, they were spiritual babies. They were spiritual infants. When we look at the New Testament, we see that when somebody comes to know Christ, they are a spiritual baby. They need to be fed, they need to be cared for, they need to be taught, they need to be trained, and this is what Paul was doing in their life. He was was watching them, he was caring for them, he was gentle with them. Uh, When when my sons were born, when they were little, I was scared when I first held them. I don't want to hurt them. I was gentle with them. I was careful with them. And even as they got older, I kind of recognized what they could handle and what they couldn't. Paul understands. He had to be gentle with these new believers, and he's ministering to them. He's pouring out his life into them. But he is caring for them the way that a mother would care for her children. And I would just ask you this, if you're a Christian, if if you're a Christian in the room, is there somebody in your life that that, that God has placed? Or are you actively looking for people that you can care for? Are you actively looking? Because I can guarantee you there are people around you. There there are some people around you that are are, are just, they're, they're less mature when it comes to spiritual things, and they need somebody to come alongside of them to care for them. Uh, to, to help them with their messes, to help them understand God's Word, to understand how to pray, to understand, hey, why it's so important to gather and study the Word, uh, to, to help them understand why, why do we lift our hands when we praise? Why do we do that? They need people to come alongside of them. Is there somebody that God's put in your life? Or maybe you, you need to begin looking. Maybe you need to begin praying, God, I've been walking with you for a while, and I know you've been working on my heart. I, I want to pour into somebody. Ask that God would lead you to someone. Uh, Let's continue to look. Verse 8. So Paul, he goes on to say, so affectionately longing for you. Again, this is the affection of a mother. This is the care of a mother. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Principle number five, ministry is about investing your life. Paul said we were well pleased, meaning he wasn't dreading it, that this was something he was choosing to do, that that he was joyful about doing, that he was joyful about. I I, want to preach to you the gospel message. I want to open up the scriptures to you. But it didn't just stop with that. Uh, see, See, some of us have experienced people that only wanted to speak to us and tell us what to do. And then that was it. And then they would leave. But that was not who Paul was. Yes, Paul declared the, the scriptures. He opened up the scriptures and he explained them, but he also invested his life. He, he got into their lives and he let them get into his life. This is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just teach. He spent time doing life with the disciples. He ate with them. He showed them the life that he was living. And this is really what Paul is doing And you're a Christian, this is what we're called to do as well. Just about every morning, I have the opportunity to eat breakfast with two of my favorite guys. I don't know if you can guess who they are, but, uh, both of their names begin with an H, Hudson and Haddon. And so uh, Angela is normally getting ready for work, and she has to head out by 7, and so me and the boys are sitting there. We're, we're eating breakfast, and it is, it is a lot of fun. It can be extremely hard. Some of y'all, y'all saw me before the service. I was holding a baby, and I was chasing Hudson, and he's running through the aisles. It, it can be challenging, but I, I love being able to sit there and eat breakfast. And uh, uh, sometimes what I like to do is I'll turn on some worship music. Number one, it calms me down a little bit. But number two, I want their, their minds, which are like sponges, I want them to soak up words that are, that are true. Things like we sang tonight. I hope that wasn't just words to you. I hope it sinks deep into your heart so that tonight when you're laying in bed and you begin to, to be anxious, you start, you start to be, begin to sing about the goodness of God. You start to sing a hallelujah and you begin to fight. Tomorrow morning when you get some news that was unexpected and anxiety fills your heart, I hope that you can respond with some truth. And these these songs that we sang, I hope that you just didn't just sing them. I hope that you process them. And that's what I want my boys to do. I want them to process the words of truth. But the, the other morning, earlier this week, put on some songs, and we're sitting there eating some eggs and bacon, and and Hudson does this right here. He he just lifts up his hand, and we're kind of eating, and it didn't take me long to figure out what he was doing, because due to this season that we're in, there is no child care on Sunday morning. So on Sunday morning, if you've seen me and Angela, we've got our kids right there in the service, and I've actually loved it. It's hard, but I've loved it. Why? Because my boys get to see me. They get to see dad worshiping. And Hudson has seen me. He has seen Angela. He has seen some of you. He's in the back. I don't know if he was paying attention during the music. He, li- he loves music. He watches what some of you do. And he has seen me lift my hand when, when, or, or both my hands when worship songs take place because I'm saying I believe in that. I agree with that. Man, that is true. Now, he doesn't understand at the breakfast table when he's got eggs in front of him what he's doing. But he saw dad do it, and so now he's doing it. Now, this is not me boasting. I'm just saying that Hudson does what I do. I'm a part of his life. And there's been many times where it it scares me because I'm not perfect as a parent, it scares me because I don't want them to pick up on the things that I do that I shouldn't do. But what Paul did is he didn't just speak to these people. He invested his life into them. And that's what I'm trying to do for my boys That's what I'm trying. I want to show them what it looks like to be a man of God. I want to show them how to treat people well. I want to show them how to follow God and how to believe him. I want to show them that, hey, when things aren't going well, we're still believing in God. We're still trusting in God. He still has a plan. He still has a purpose. I want to show them that. And that is what Paul was doing. He didn't just preach, get off the stage and say, I'll see you all next Sunday. I've been at a lot of events, youth events. Again, that's the world I came from. A lot of guys, they would preach, they'd get off the stage, and they'd go back to their hotel room. But then there were the guys that were most influential in my life, is that they preached the word on the stage, and then they'd walk off the stage. And they'd say, let's go play some basketball. Hey, let's go hang out. Hey, hey, hey let's, hey, let's grab a bite to eat together. And they began to get their life into somebody else's take sacrifice. It's hard. And that leads to principle number six. Ministry is hard work. Look at verse nine. Verse nine says this, for you remember brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preached to you the gospel of God. Principle number six, ministry is hard work. Apparently Paul did not sleep that much. If you look at his life and you look at what God did in him and through him, it's just apparent. This guy, I don't know how much he slept, but in Acts chapter 16, he's in prison and he's singing, pra- he's singing praises to God at midnight. And then we see over here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where he's talking about other moments in his life. He's said, like, I labored and toiled night and day. He was probably making tents so that he could support himself financially, so that he wouldn't make demands to the people that he was preaching the gospel to. Hey, can y'all support me financially? He, did, he didn't want to cause the gospel message to be confused. Paul labored and he toiled, he, he worked hard. If you say yes to, to Jesus, praise God. There, there's nothing like being a rela- in, a, in a relationship with Jesus. And many of you, I believe, man, you, you're, you're walking with the Lord. But when we say yes to his mission, when we begin to follow him, and when we, when we begin to see God's heart for people, and so we begin to love people, we begin to serve people, we begin to share the truth with people, we, we realize, man, this is, this is hard. This is hard work. Now, it's, it's a joyful work. Paul did, did all of this, and he was so filled with joy. But it was hard work. If I'm being honest, uh, there's probably some of us, and I don't have anybody in mind, uh, there's probably some of us that one of the biggest hindrances to God working in you and through you in the lives of others, is because you love your bed too much. I'm all about some sleep. I love a good nap. (laughs) Now that I have kids though, naps, I'm like, I'll see y'all in about 20 years. So uh, the naps are few and far between these days. Because parenting is hard work. Paul was a spiritual parent. Sleep, sure, he got it. Do we need it? Absolutely. Sometimes one of the most holy thing that you can do is go take a nap because you're cranky and you're, 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 you're getting mad at everybody. You ever, you ever had a friend that they're just angry and, and, and you're like, you go, go take a nap. You just need to go take a nap. And then you wake up and you're like, man, I'm a new, I'm a new person. Some of you, maybe you need a, a, a few of those uh, more than others. But when we look at Paul's life, we recognize that he he was working day and night and he was doing that so that the gospel message, so that the life that he was living was not confusing. He was not a burden to people. When when me and Angela first got married, we'd probably been married about a year. um, We had somebody, a a, a friend who said, hey, uh, we're going to go out of town for a weekend. Can you watch our kids? Sure, we'll do that. We were very naive. There were four kids, ages four to eleven. We'd only been married for about a year, and I may be divulging too much information, but at the time, Angela, I remember her saying, "You know, I'd love to have four kids." And you know, me, I'm thinking, "Okay, like I don't, I don't know about that. We'll, we'll see what happens." So we go into this weekend, and we're ready, and um, you know, it's kind of. Uh, I've tried to block out the memories of that weekend. I do, I do remember at one point I had children just hanging on my body. And um, we, were, we, were, we were so naive of thinking what this, what this weekend was going to be like because there was no breaks. I mean, they were dependent upon us. Uh, they were dependent on us giving, giving them uh, instructions on, on how to survive for the day. Do not do that. You will hurt yourself. Do not eat this. Okay, eat this. Your mom didn't say you could eat that, even though you're, you're saying, she said. They're lying to us. We want to pull our hair out. Back when I had hair. Uh, again, it, it was hard, and I remember we were, we were pulling away, and Angela looked at me and said, you know, maybe we'll just take it one at a time. And, uh, and here we are with two, so we're halfway there, but, but here's what I'll say as a parent, now that we have kids, uh, here's my take. Being a parent is one of the highlights of my life. Uh, you can talk to Will, uh, talk to him about his little girl. Uh, it, it, is, it is a blessing from the Lord, but I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't hard work. It is hard work, I'm telling you. When, when you hear cries in the middle of the night... Uh, when 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 again I, I love waking up and the boys are smiling at me most of the time uh, but it's hard getting them ready for for the day I love eating breakfast with them, but I tell you what sometimes getting people to eat getting food out of hair that's hard uh, getting clothes on getting clothes on and then uh, next thing you know well we got to take the clothes off because somebody just did some business in uh, in the diaper and so we got to take all clothes off diaper off put clothes back on and, it, it is hard work. And some of you, maybe you have a, a, a brother or a sister who has a child, or maybe you spend time with children. Here's the thing, for me and Angela, we love being parents. Angela is the most amazing mother. I, I don't deserve her as a wife. I'm so grateful for, for what the Lord has done in her and how he's used her in my life. And I, marriage is such a beautiful thing. But parenthood, is, is, it is hard. It is a joy, but we do not get a break and I'm not looking for pity, but what I am trying to say is that ministry, when we say yes to the call that God has placed on our life to love people, to minister to people, we step into what Paul is doing here, and that is spiritual parenthood, and there's no breaks from that either. Uh, there's no, you know what, I'm just going to take the day off from serving the Lord and loving him. No, you don't, you don't do that. Why? Because there's, there's something at stake. Uh, Me me and Angela, we we have to continue to to watch out for the kids. And sometimes, again, when I'm in here and Hudson's running around, I need to do a little bit better job watching him. Um, But we don't get a break. And we need to understand that as Christians, we don't get a break. It is hard ministering. It, It is hard loving people and pouring into people. Because when you begin to do that, you find out that people, they're messy. Which we're messy, too. None of us are perfect. But when you begin to get in the lives of people, it gets messy, and it gets hard, and it takes commitment, and it takes diligence. And, and, and Paul, he said yes to this. He said yes to the hard work, and we need to do this as well. Look at verse 10. You are witnesses, and God also how devoutly and justly justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Principle number seven, ministry is about integrity. Ministry is about integrity. So Paul He he knew that these people were watching him. Now he spent three weeks, if we go back to Acts chapter 17, three Sabbaths. So again, a Sabbath, one each week, that's three weeks. He spent about three weeks with these people, but then the, the, the persecution arose and he had to get out of there. And so for three weeks, though, he was a part of their lives and they were a part of his lives. And he had to be careful how he was living in front of them. Because similar, as I said a minute ago, Somebody's watching me. Somebody's watching you. Paul knew, hey, these people are watching me. These people are watching me. And Paul did not want his life to to oppose the message that he was declaring. Uh, Paul did not want to contradict the gospel message. He knew that people were following him. Uh, Over the past few weeks, I've been uh, I've been carrying uh, this in my pocket. You know what this is? It's a domino. Uh, does anybody like to play dominoes by chance? A few of you. anybody like Domino's Pizza? It's going out of business in Gardnell. So, anyways, uh, so I we didn't have these growing up. I, I didn't. I, I guess I didn't play uh, dominoes until later in life. But uh, but we did have Jenga. And one thing about dominoes and the Jenga game is you can set them up. Did you ever do this as a kid? You set them up and uh, and you put them in a line or you make a pattern. And then what? You, you push one over, and it's just a ripple effect, right? And so I was at a a men's conference, and everybody got one of these. And uh, I carry this domino as a reminder that my decisions have repercussions. Whichever way this thing leans, it's going to hit a domino, and it's going to pretty quickly have a chain reaction. And if it's going the wrong way, poof. I don't know if you've ever actually set these up and, and, you, and you knock one over. It, it's kind of hard to, I mean, you got to go way ahead of it and catch it. Before you know it, 50 of them are down. Every single day, I've got decisions that I make. And i got to make sure that, that this thing is leaning in the right direction. Now, now for me, I, I, I carry this not necessarily because some of you look at my life, but it's really because of my boys, because the decisions that I make today are going to affect them. The, the decisions that I make tomorrow are going to affect them. The decisions that I make could potentially affect their kids or even their grandkids if the Lord tarries. And so every single day, I have to remind myself my decisions have consequences. They are watching me. I've got other people that are watching me. You guys are hearing me teach the word. But then many of you, you get to see if I actually live this stuff out. There's a consequence in that. God will hold me accountable to that. Every single day, I have to choose integrity, not for fear of losing my salvation. That's not what it's about. I believe that when we are saved in the same way that my sons will always be my my sons, nothing can change that. No paperwork can change that. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a son or daughter of the King, there is nothing that can change that. But if I make poor decisions, I, I don't lose my salvation, but there's still consequences. And many of you, and it's a hard conversation, but many of you have experienced the repercussions of a parent that has made some poor decisions. You've seen that firsthand. Or maybe it's not just a parent. Maybe it's a a brother or a sister or a grandparent. And you've experienced those. And Paul understood, man, these, these people are watching me. I'm going to do what I do, and so I'm going to make sure that I am acting devoutly and justly and blamelessly, that that we're going to make sure that we act right, not to keep our salvation, not to put on this fake show, but because, man, if, if we make a wrong move, it's not just going to jack us up. It's going to mess somebody else up. The decisions that you make today, they don't just affect you. It's going to affect other people. There's people that are watching you. There's people that are watching me. We have got to be so careful about this. If you call yourself a Christian, is, is there anything in your life right now that is hurting the cause of Christ because of what people see in your life? I'm not asking for perfection. I am far from perfect. What I do try to do to the best of my ability is that when I, when I make mistakes, I try to own up to them. I mean, Paul Paul wasn't perfect. He's going to own up to his mistakes. Many of you, that's that's, that's the life you live. Hey, you mess up, man. I'm sorry. I messed up. But but is there anything in your life right now? Any decisions that you've made? Anything that that is causing the message of Christ? It's confusing people that, that see your life. Paul wanted to make sure that he was acting with integrity so not to confuse the message because he knew that there were people watching him. Let's finish our passage, verses 11 and 12. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Last principle, principle number eight. Ministry is about seeing others grow. It's about seeing others grow. Now, last week we talked about how ministry is, it's not about your glory, it's about God's glory. It's not about you getting on the stage and getting the spotlight, it's about putting that on Christ. And and ministry is really others' focus. Giving God the glory and you're serving other people. And what Paul wanted to do here with this group of people is he wanted to see them grow into spiritual maturity. He wanted to see them understand who Christ was. He wanted to see them grow and mature. And in verse number seven, Paul used a mother to illustrate gentleness and affection. And in verse 11, he uses a father as an illustration of how to lead. I hate that some of you have had a poor example of of a dad showing you what it looks like to to be a godly man. Uh, But according to God's word, a, a man is called to lead his family. It's called the lead well. Now, for me, I, I, I want to do the very best of my ability to do that. I, 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 a good father exhorts, a good father encourages. Uh, many of you, you had that growing up. Some of you, maybe you didn't. And maybe you can change that cycle if, if, if you're a man. A good father exhorts, a good father comforts. Earlier today, uh, one of the boys was crying. And so I just wrapped him up and I held him tight and he tucked his head into my neck. I just tried to comfort him It's part of being a dad. You don't have to say anything. I'm just going to be here. I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to comfort you. Bro. I'm going to comfort you. A good father charges or urges. I, I, I want to urge them in a direction. I want to show them with my life. I want to speak with my mouth. I want to encourage them. D- don't go that way, buddy. We need, we need to stay, stay straight here. Right now, that's about walking. But later in life, it'll be about decisions. And so I want to urge them in a right direction. A good father leads. I want to lead my kids well, not for my sake. I don't want to to lead them well for my sake. I want to lead them well because I want to see them grow into maturity. Not just as young men, but I want to see them trust in Jesus, following hard after God. I know they won't be perfect because the one leading them, me, is not perfect. But I want to do the best of my ability to lead them well.